everybody, and welcome to Pod Be With You. This is Paige from the Congregational Church of Batavia. And Aaron from the First Congregational Church of Dundee. On a lovely sunny winter. Oh my gosh, right? It's only when it goes away for months at a time do you really revel in just, it's wonderful. When I was in the car yesterday, I heard on NPR that this January was the darkest January ever on record in the Chicago area mm. since they started keeping track of these things. That, <laughs> not, and I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. That tracks. I remember a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of years ago, I should say, when we went for uh, two months. It was something, it was like 62 days without um, sunshine. <laughs> yeah. It was February into March. And yeah. we went, oh yeah, that, that tracks. That's right, yeah. But you just stopped to notice what year anyway so it's sunny and we love it and we're and taking advantage of it as much as we can we are and we've got a bible study today with matthew 5 we're continuing in the sermon on the mount absolutely picking up where we left off last week and you heard on the podcast if you listen to last week's that each of us brought some different translations with us uh, the New Revised Standard Version, which has become well standard for mm-hmm. many of us. But then I also read from the First Nations Version, an indigenous translation of the New Testament for indigenous people and English-speaking Christians, which I still highly recommend. And I think we'll read some out of this week as well. Absolutely. I think that's a fine idea. So a brief word of context. <laughs> I promise brief. But this is a familiar passage, is my mm-hmm. guess to many of us. This is Jesus teaching us that we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, uh, and, and speaking about his relationship to the law, the law of Moses, and how he came not to abolish that law, but to fulfill, which seems to be sort of like pre-responding to objections he might get, because then he goes on to sound like he is altering the law. And I think what he's this is a conversation probably for another week, but what he's doing is not superseding the law, not abolishing the mm-hmm. law, and and not even changing it. He is trying to bring that law to its fulfillment. He is trying to apply it to now yeah. and say, this is really what it means. Out of deep respect for this law, you'll hear him say, as until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter from this right. law will will pass away, right? This is good. This is right. This is fully true. And I want us to hear that again as Jesus challenges us to be his followers, that Jesus was not out to start a new religion. Nope. Let's, re- let's say that again. And at no point did Jesus think, even if there was a new religion, that that religion of following him should supersede or render obsolete Judaism. Absolutely. So let's just say that over and over again, because that is rampant in Christianity. Oh, yeah. Explicitly in anti-Semitism or implicit anti-Semitism, which has this sense of we are the only one right way and Jews are incomplete or going to hell or right that this has superseded Judaism. We that's that's not what our teacher, leader, rabbi, savior taught us. And I think that part of that um, that that sort of supersessionism that you hear that that actually is anti-Semitism, yes. um, right? Uh, actually, comes from a misinterpretation and a misunderstanding of Paul, mm. who talks about the law at length in uh, the letters that he writes, and sometimes in very 
Almost disparaging. Dark, yeah, yeah, disparaging. Law is death. Law is enslavement. Law is the thing that brings us to Christ. Um, and I, I think that part of that is a misunderstanding of Paul. Sure. Um, but it also is, a, Paul was writing to a different people in a different context than Matthew was too. And um, I, But I think that we bring that with us, that language and that theology, anywhere we 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 come into conversation with what the law is. And I think I think we need to be very clear to separate those out when we're listening to Matthew today. Yes. And let's and some might come at me for this, but Paul is not Jesus. No, Paul is not Jesus. Thank uh, God. Paul, <laughs> Paul is also maybe doesn't have to be infallible. No. Folks. Paul mm-hmm. Paul could have had his opinion about something. Yeah that we can disagree with. Yep, and absolutely. Paul struggled with his relationship to the law. He did. Right? And and at the same time, there are others who find great freedom in the law, great expression, great faithfulness. It has oh. also been important for thousands of years. Yep. And at no point did Jesus say, again, that he was superseding the law. There is a, Paul is reintroducing, he was living and reintroducing this debate between where the love of God comes from and later reformers would go on to say of course that we don't to to dismantle some of this works righteousness where we need to earn the love of god by doing things right and being more pure and paul is saying yes that kind of enslavement to the law trying to earn the love of god that's that's not how any of this works. Yeah. God loves us is, is by the free gift of grace. And we're, I don't want to go all the way down this rabbit hole, but you're right. I don't think Paul was negating the law. I think Paul, in many ways, was objecting to abuses of the law. Yes, I, I, I would agree. And, I- which is an objection you actually hear Jesus make in this passage too, which Absolutely. is why I'm bringing it back to this because, you know, unless you your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, he says, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Because yeah. part of where he thought they were getting it wrong, I believe, was their obsession with rules yeah. and legality and busting people on technicalities and thinking that if you just follow all these rules, you will therefore be living with God. And he says, that's not the way that it works. That's not the direction it goes. Yeah. And I, 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 it's really important for us to remember that for um, for the large number of people who uh, you know, follow the law still um, our our Jewish friends and, and, and companions, it doesn't go that way either. They don't think to themselves as they're following b- bits it. of the law that this is going to make God love me more. It is a it is a discipline. It is a way of showing your love to the divine and um, an understanding that it's a way that frees your life up. So I have a I have a friend uh, who who's an Orthodox Jew. And I remember having a conversation with her before about the Sabbath. And I'm like, oh, my mm. gosh, all of these rules that you follow on the Sabbath, you can't do this, you can't do mm. that, you can't you can't cook, you can't unlock or lock a door because that's work. Mm. And I'm like, that, that just strikes me as so stifling. And she said, no, it's the opposite. Mm. It means that on this day, there is nothing for me to do but be with my family and celebrate my relationship with God. And that is where my energy needs to be. And so following the law for her is freedom from the ridiculous things that life requires of us. That's it. Yeah. So well, to put it in sort of cliched therapeutic terms, it's the ultimate boundary. Yeah, <laughs> you are exactly. Sure, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You really are putting, you are, you are carving out a separate space and time yeah. and, and not letting other things interfere with that and exactly. holding up that boundary yeah. for sacredness, togetherness, yeah. love. So Okay, I guess that's all a way of saying that Jesus is 
transitioning, I think, here in the Sermon on the Mount from here are the opening blessings, God's center of gravity, the Beatitudes. This is where God's care is. This is what you as my followers will be. This is how we're going to be to one another. And then the sharing of this responsibility, I hope you hear, you are the light, the salt of the earth. You yep. are the light of the world. We'll talk more about that later. And then saying, I'm about to tell you a bunch of stuff about how to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to teach a lot about the law. Um, just know ahead of time how much I respect the law, believe in the law. Yeah. I don't, I'm not abolishing, I'm fulfilling. Okay, with that, um, here is Matthew 5, 13 through 20, from the First Nations translation. As you walk the good road with me, you are the salt of the earth, bringing cleansing and healing to all. Salt is a good thing, but if it loses its saltiness, how will it get its flavor back? That kind of salt has no worth and is thrown out. As you walk the road with me, you are a light shining in this dark world. A village built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one hides a torch under a basket. Instead, it is lifted up high on a pole so all who are in the house can see it. In the same way, let your light shine by doing what is good and right. When others see, they will give honor to your Father, the one above us all. When you hear my words, you may think I have come to undo the law given by drawn from the water, Moses, and the words of the prophets. But I have come to honor them and to show everyone their true meaning. I speak from my heart as long as there is a sky above and an earth below, not even the smallest thing they have said will fade away, until everything they have said has found its full meaning and purpose. Anyone who turns away from these instructions and tells others to do the same will be looked down on as a small one on Creator's good road from the spirit world above. But the ones who do them and teach others to do the same, they will be looked up to as great ones. I will say this to you, unless you have a better reputation than the scroll keepers and the separated ones, Pharisees, you will not find the path that leads to the land of Creator's good road from above. There's a lot in there. Yeah. There's a lot happening. And again, it's important to come at it with an open heart and mind. Even just hearing this, and and even in in a different version, I can hear that that language, that that lilting. You are the salt of the earth, yes. right? And that the way that that's entered our our lexicon in America, right? Even even in in a degree to which Jesus wasn't intending it to be understood. We we have taken the language of this and and forged it to mean different things, mm. and we need to be able to step aside from that and say, no, what are we really talking about here? Um, so yeah, it's just it it's just really it's really fascinating the way that happens so quickly. Yes. Okay, two thousand years, but yeah, it's also the earth people. Yes, exactly. And they're a light in the world. What you know, and yeah, the That's way we it. talk about that. So let's take them one at a time. So say that this is these are two of Jesus' great metaphors. Oh yeah. And we said this in Bible study, but this is one of the ways that Jesus was a brilliant teacher. Yeah. And he spoke in metaphor he spoke in well in simile and parables Mm -hmm. and that's so different from setting out a systematic theology (laughs) here is the one truth and how to say it and this will pass down static throughout history and you get it through your thick skull and then you will know it too and in knowing it you will be saved it's not that no 
he is giving us a great metaphor and letting us work it. And it's not just that that is true, but it is in our seeking to understand it, in our exploring of it, that we recreate truth, yeah. like that, that we are applying it to our time, wrestling with it, that truth emerges in our talking about it yeah. in this time, mm -hmm. trying to understand it. That is actually where we remake mm -hmm. truth mm -hmm. with God and the Holy Spirit through this time. So the first, salt. Before we even say that, I want to say one thing. Please. You are. Mm. You are. You are right now. Yes. He is saying to these fledgling disciples, if, if we're following the timeline of Matthew, these guys are still wet behind the ears. They're, they're, they haven't done anything yet. But, but Jesus is saying to them right off the bat, you are you don't have to, again, you don't have to earn it. You don't have yeah. to prove it. Not even you should be. Not Yeah, not even you should be. You are. Yeah. Um, so I Whether just, you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like it is a state of being like being loved. Mm -hmm. You are this. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do about it. Now what will you, you do knowing that you are? Yeah. Not, are you going to throw not, this treasure away or are you going to do something yes. with it? And, it's not if yeah. you choose it, you could be better. Nope. Which is which is both really comforting again, and deeply challenging. Yeah, super hopeful and yep. super empowering yep. and super yes challenging at the same yeah. time. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I, I when I when I when I hear that it's always just so, yeah oh <laughs> yes it is the the proverbial double edged sword yep, which exactly. man yeah Jesus yeah um, he's good at wielding that double edged sword that's it and well and that's that the the prophets and Jesus in their tradition have a way of uh, giving you a lot of different flavors in one bite yep. to mix our metaphors a little bit, right? Yep. It's 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 not only one thing. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about salt. Yeah, as a metaphor, it's gone another, and we should say both of these metaphors have been absolutely bludgeoned to death absolutely. by yep. preachers for two thousand years. We'll try not to replicate some of that, but we talk here about salt's value mm -hmm. at one in, in some parts in the world, in some places in history, more valuable than gold. Yep, it was in. It, so it's a preservative. It is uh, also just, it is a flavor enhancer. We know what salt is. We know what salt does. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that how difficult it is to describe. It's sometimes salt, and what a great metaphor that is for having a life that is alive yeah. and full mm -hmm. and, you know, flavorful. Yeah. If we cook a lot, you know, you, it's, it's not so much, if you, salt is used correctly you don't even know that it's there mm -hmm. you can tell if it's over salted and you can tell if it's under salted it is that what is that missing thing and it's salt if it's seasoned well you don't necessarily notice the salt it makes everything else just taste better yeah. come to life yeah so there's a great phrase here from one commentator on this passage who said you are the salt of the earth suggests that Jesus gives them as his disciples a distinctive capacity to elicit goodness on the earth. Oh, I like that. Yeah, right? Like salt, which is used to alter or enhance the tastes of food, the disciples' capacity to elicit goodness as they participate on the earth should be of profound consequence. Nice. So it is, as the salt of the earth, it is not to make the things taste like you, right? It yeah. is to bring out the inherent goodness 
in already the, there. In yeah. the world and the people in the life around you. You yeah. and you and enha- I love that phrase of eliciting goodness from what's already there and enhancing and amb- it, it. Salt makes things taste more like themselves, right? So there's an authenticity element to yeah. it. You are bringing out and amplifying and celebrating what is already there, inherent, but needs you to draw it out. Yeah. That's really good. I also like in the First Nations version that mm. we just read that um, the they draw out the reality that salt is also uh, a component of healing in yes. a lot of ways too. That that there's a there's a sense in which we are called to make whole the woundedness in the world, um, and that's part of what we do when we are salt as well. There's a healing component in all of that. As that healing and cleansing. Healing yeah. and cleansing, yeah. exactly. Um, and, uh, and and that's, I, I think that that's really another one that we lose sometimes in our modern world. Yes. Um, but th- there was a time when salt was used as a component of medicine and and, uh, and, and frankly, probably such. still is. It still is. We just don't know it. I, exactly. We just don't know it. The other thing that's really interesting to me, uh, I was reading, oh, gosh, again, I forget who it is this week. I was, uh, I was reading someone who, who noted that um, salt doesn't actually go bad. It doesn't lose its flavor. The only right. thing that can make salt um, not salty is if it's contaminated or watered down. Mm. And there's this... There's this, um, we talked about this last night, uh, last night, last week when we talked about purity, mm-hmm. right? Which is not to say this kind of, you know. Stay perfect, stay, stay pure. Per- yeah. yeah. But this sort of single-minded, refined, mm. you know, don't get contaminated by the things that will hold you back. So, so be salt means don't, don't get, don't get all wrapped up in those things that, that prevent you from being who you've been called to be. That's it. Yeah. Don't, tr- don't. Try to be something that you're not. Exactly. Right? And don't yeah, try yeah, to yeah. incorporate things that are not you into you. Like, be what you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and that is enough. And not only will those things not add to you, they will detract. They will, yes. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I hear that. Uh, there's a preservative element, too, mm-hmm. right? The way that salt can hold things and keep things mm-hmm. from spoiling, mm-hmm. right? That, there are so many ways to work that metaphor. Yeah. And of course, with and then with the light metaphor, there's 10 times as many, I oh, feel yeah. like. Right. Yeah. One of the first things that we always say when we talk about light as a metaphor in Bible study is to remember how different light was through most of human history than it is now. Now, for many of us, it's if we pay our bills, we can flip a switch and we have light when we need it. Right. Abundant light. Too much light. Light pollution. Yep. And as a metaphor uh, that we can start to think of our life of faith, our inner life, our spiritual life in a similar way. Where if we just pay our bills, go to the right church, do what we're supposed to do, then whenever we need it, we're going to flip a switch and it's going to be there for yeah. us. And that's, first of all, just not how it works. Right. Like light on demand, faith on demand, God on demand doesn't work like this. And But light for the rest of human history, of course, I know I'm over explaining this, but it was fire. Something was on fire. Either it was light from a celestial body that was on fire or you were burning something on mm-hmm. the earth. And so light as a spiritual metaphor was about where I should say light as a metaphor was about the spiritual dimension of building a fire, gathering fuel, keeping a fire lit, tending it, protecting it from things that would put it out, uh, refueling it, mm-hmm. right? Um, planning for it. You had to work at it. You had to plan, right? All of these. And then, and, and that I think is much more appropriate language for that inner life, life mm-hmm. of the spirit. It needs 
planning. It needs work. It needs tending. It yeah. needs fuel. It needs. It can run out. Mm-hmm. It can get extinguished. It can get you know all of that, right? Yeah. And, and so, uh, light is a great metaphor mm-hmm. for this. But let's go back and let you speak on this. This is at the heart of it. Jesus says, "You are the light of the world." Yeah. I mean, elsewhere, John he says, "I am the light of the world." And I think that we we spend a lot more time on that one. Absolutely. You look at our hymns, what we sing, all that. It's a lot more. You are the light of the world. Jesus, you're the mm-hmm. light of the world. God, you're the light of the world. Light up my world. It is wonderful to come and worship and bask in and be filled by the light of the world. We don't, there's not as many hymns, I don't think, anecdotally that say, I am the light of the world. There are a few. That's not where we tend no. to spend our time thinking that we are yeah. the light of the world. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was, um, uh, it's, it's interesting here that, that this is the third command in, um, the third imperative. Mm. So it's a command, uh, that is, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount is shine. Mm. We are, it's an imperative. It's not, it's not something we can maybe do. It's something we are commanded and compelled to do, um, along with in the Beatitudes, rejoice and be glad. Mm. Those were the first two imperatives, um, which were related to struggle. This mm. one is more related to that 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 inner joy that that bubbles over, that shines out. Um, in a little bit, right before we we get into the season of Lent, we're going to have Transfiguration Sunday, mm. right? And Jesus actively shines yes right and and um and it is it is in that way that we are to shine too um because of what we have on the inside and you can either talk about that in terms of the fact that we carry christ within us which is um another metaphor that christianity has used for a very long time Mm -hmm. or simply the fact that we are made in the divine image and we we bear that within us um, but there's something there that's that's fighting to get out, and, and Jesus here's like, let it out, shine, mm. uh, do this thing. So otherwise, what a waste! Exactly, what and a it's waste! Not God won't love you; you no. are less than. But it is, what a waste! Yeah, when there's so much that you can offer, it um, would be as ab- well. It, it's as absurd as lighting a lantern and then hiding it. Exactly right. God creating you to be the light of the world and then you hiding it. It's that absurd. Yes, and 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 I think I think waste is exactly the right word. Um, I uh, the Greek uh, in um, if the salt loses its saltiness, mm-hmm. another way that that can be uh, uh, translated is um, if you become foolish. If you act like a fool, and it's a fool who wastes what has been given to them, Mm. that that doesn't understand the treasure. And so I love the play on words there. Again, standard stuff for the gospel writers. They know what they're doing. Um, And that understanding that we've been given this great gift, and if we foolishly throw it away, then what a loss that is, not just to us, but to the world. And again, God's still going to love us. There's no no taking away of... No, this is not conditional, but it means that we are not... We are not illuminating. We are not flavoring the world in a way that we could. Hmm. I don't know that we want that responsibility. That's part of it at the heart Mm -hmm. of it. I think Mm -hmm. it's easier to come to church to receive, Mm -hmm. to be fed, to wonder and marvel and not, and this, these call us to participate and in some ways say, this is 
counting on you. In some ways, this whole thing relies on you. Yeah. Um, Molly Basquet, who uh, whose book I, I have read and loved and did a, the interview with her a couple episodes ago, um, she speaks often in her life. I'm not sure if she came up with this language, but I love it. I heard it from her first. People were for her, she says, God with skin on. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, there is... Whether they knew that's who they were being or not, they were for her God with skin on. They yeah. came with a message from God. They were the ones who brought comfort, challenge, truth, everything, you know, to her from God on God's behalf, whether they knew it or not, as I said. Yeah. But they were they were God with skin on. And that I, I hear that same call mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. is to be that for the world. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, which is a different kind, go back to the beginning, this is not just, here are the rules, follow them. This is about, and if you do that, then you'll go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard to express how far away this is from that, right? This mm-hmm. is, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. Repent and believe in the good news, right? This is a, it is at hand. God's possibility for life coming alive is here now. Yeah. So... Out of that, not do this and you'll get in as much as it is when you are living this way, you will be living in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And it is, again, this righteousness of how we are oriented to the world and to one another, not how well we follow this set of rules, which says, well, then we can earn our way in, right? Exactly. Um, and even, yeah. you know, it's really interesting to me, even people who even, you know, you know, these Protestant evangelical folk who are like, no, grace is a gift, still have that, that, that draw to understand the rules are what allows God to love us. Mm. And I think, I think it's such what's the word that i'm looking for it's such a it's such a built-in human thing to think that in order to be loved you have to behave yes and it it's really hard to get rid it's of really that really ingrained yeah it's really ingrained and, and on some level let's first of all i'm which i'll confess to it i'm interrupt but just i'm pro rules in a lot of oh, different I love, ways i love me some rules right I, yeah. I i crave structure in many different ways mm-hmm. and so i don't this is not listen i i also i love civilization <laughs> like, yep. i love i love safety the rule I, of law. I, right and i love that we how we are to be to one another that that there are some i, I love boundaries mm-hmm. i love consequence I, I don't love consequences it's important that there are consequences right, right. but i i think that what I hear you getting at is that this is not how love works though, at the exactly. heart of it, right? Yeah. That there's a different direction. There's a it. different directionality to it. And, and I think it's so hard for us. And Jesus here is again, trying to, to, to lay it out for us that, you know, it, it, it doesn't work the other way. It doesn't work the other way around. We don't have to prove ourselves in order to be accepted. We have to just accept that we're accepted. And then out of the, joy that bubbles up from that that's where the light and the salt comes from um and it 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 does make a difference in in that particular fashion um yeah well there are so many ways of talking about light yeah right and again at the risk of working this metaphor to death there is there is light there is the shining um so to speak right that is that is referenced here but that's a little bit ambiguous because yeah. some things shine because 
they reflect yep. something else that is shining. Right. A shiny object isn't self-illuminate. No. Uh, right? And so some have used this metaphor to say, we ourselves are not the light, but we're good at reflecting the light of God, mm-hmm. which I think in some ways works and in some ways is a great way of abdicating our responsibility it is. for actually tending to our own light. Yeah. Right? So it is, yes, we reflect the light of God. It is also more than that. Yeah. We ourselves need to ignite. We need to, it's it's more the language of glowing or being radiant. It, it is that sense of there is a light within that then shines out. Yeah. I, I really think that there is more to it than just reflecting the light of something else. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, yeah, exactly. And there there's some beauty in that in that metaphor. Certainly. Uh, but I, yeah, I do think that there is something here that Jesus is, is pointing to uh, again, that says nurture and build and feed the light that is there within you. And, and that is your responsibility. That's part of what you are called to do and, and how we get to the place where we can shine. Um, and, and, um, and keep the world warm. I, there, there's mm. something also about light uh, that that it's not just that illumination piece; it's the warmth piece. Mm. Uh, as you were talking about, it used to be that something had to be on fire. Yeah. Um, it gives off this warmth. And I was I was actually talking um, to Michelle this week, who's also preaching on this passage, and she was talking about her father, who was in the Korean War, and how they would in a tent all of these guys huddle around a single candle and mm. it was enough to keep them warm through the night, mm. right? And how important that is because that's survival, yes. right? And there's there's a warmth here too that we need to be, we need to be aware and safety. of. And safety. You can and see. Yeah. There's community. It draws it's, people in. Yeah, out. it draws people in. It's all of these you can things. Literally, you can see where you're going. Yep. You are, yes. Yeah. It is, yeah, hopeful, safe, um, clear. C.S. Lewis once said famously, I believe in God the way that I believe in the sun, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Yep. Right? There is this sense of uh, radiate, shine, and the world glow. Yeah. Because not only will people see that, but by that they will see so many other things they need to see. Yeah. Right? Including the love and truth of God. Mm-hmm. We got pretty deep into the metaphor of light in Bible study, as we are wont to do, right? I think there's a danger here. I feel at least the danger as a pastor of saying to everybody out there listening, go and shine. On some level, I want to say this because I want that challenge of the responsibility to say, no, this is in you. Go light up the world. But that's likely not where everybody is. No. And what I don't want to do is pile on another guilt, shame, responsibility on someone who that's not where they are. No, they're just struggling to keep their head above water. Yeah. And and so if you're coming to church at a time when your light is out and there are so many things that can make our light go out, that can extinguish it, uh, there there are people who (laughs) give us all sorts of things, right? There are all sorts of things in life, griefs, traumas, fears, illnesses. I mean, so many things can extinguish our light that are not our fault. And it's not, hey, you should have tended it better. You should have planned. It's none of that. But if you're at a place where you are looking to come and and have someone hold the light for you, 
while you heal, recover, warm yourself in the light of someone else's fire or in the fire of this community or by the light of God, God bless you and mm-hmm. do that and be here as long as you, and it's not us to say, now go do better, do more, produce more, which is what it can sound like. Mm-hmm. I think, so I want to be careful about saying this to everybody because that's not where everybody is. And right. all of us have had seasons in life where we are holding the light for someone else. Absolutely. Or where our light is out and we need someone to hold the light for us while we recover. Absolutely. Yep. And that's that's real too. Uh, churches is a place where we are all coming from radically different places and different times in our lives, which is part of the joy of the community, right? Yes. I mean, that's one of the things that makes it special in, a, in, in this world. Um, again, there are a few places where you can have so many people with so many different Sets in Laban. Mm. Let me throw that oh. German out there. Um, to coming together in one space to be able to be a community um, and and nurture each other in that particular way. Um, and so, yeah, you, you have to bear that in mind when you're preaching and when you're engaging with the larger community because not everybody is feeling the same way when they come. No. And that's real. And um, we've been, as you said, in many different places. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great hymn that will you let me be your servant yep. that we sing, which, which is, and the second or third verse begins, I will hold the Christ light for you in the nighttime of your fear. I will, I'm forgetting the next word, something, something speak the words you long to hear, right? right? I will be with you. I will hold the light for you. Yeah. I like that phrase in part because it seems like kind of a healthy metaphor. Yep. Um, if you're, if you're with someone whose light is gone out, uh, your faith to be with them, to tend to your own light, to be a light for them is a, a wonderful ministry. And, and at the same time, your, your, your job is not to extinguish your light so that you can be with them in the darkness. Right. 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 So we can go through all of this, but holding the light for someone, uh, because, there may be a time when others hold the light for you when you are in that yep. in that nighttime. It that happens. Sometimes it's raining in your world. Yeah. And it's hard to keep a fire lit, right? But it's not raining in the world of the person next to you. They can yeah. hold that light, right? I know we're torturing the metaphor a bit, but it is all the more important to keep our own if we're lucky enough to be in a place where we have a fire going, um, to keep that going as much as we can because other people do mm-hmm. need it. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't necessarily just go to someone else and be like, here, have some of my light. Now you're lit too. And it, I mean, I love that image on Christmas Eve. But it doesn't always it doesn't work that always way. It doesn't always work no. that way. No. Right? Yeah. Um, but we need, it's like when we talked with the, we were doing this with the youth around Christmas and we all had our candles and the sanctuary was ablaze with light and it was totally bright. And we're like, this is fun, lighting candles. And then all, and then we put all the lights out, and all of a sudden those candles shone so much brighter. Yeah. Right. And soon, and then we extinguish different candles, different things that extinguish our light, and then we we're down to one candle. It's like, but as you said, as Michelle said, that one candle can be enough. That yeah, it, it that can is be the enough. Hope, yep. Right? And from that, you can rebuild and you can ignite. But it's amazing how far that one she that shall light come out goes. of the stump of Jesse, right? Really, yeah, everything can be a, a stump. But there's mm. wow, there's too many metaphors happening here. Yes, but, we are. Yeah. but but yeah, but that's a but that is a very biblical understanding of theology. Uh, the the way that God works in the world, the stump of Jesse, there will be a remnant. 
there is always something to hang on to. The oil hope. lasted eight days. Yeah, the, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. There's always that hope, uh, even if you have just a little bit. And, and, and the bread will be enough for today. Exactly, and yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's also Communion Sunday, so all of a sudden we're adding a third metaphor. Exactly, <laughs> for yep. About being nourished, about being fed, about having this be a community where mm-hmm. uh, we both receive and are challenged to give. Mm-hmm. We're talking a lot about outreach at, in, in Dundee these days, and so this is probably the last in that series about it. You've been very patient, all of you. Thank you. But there's a great line in here. I think it's um, William Temple. I have to look this back up, but I... Um, now I'm going to, of course, have that name wrong, but uh, the what he is—it's—it's uh, it's an art, archbishop who is credited as saying, "The church is the only organization on earth that exists for those who are not its members." <laughs> and I hear a lot of that in Jesus' mm-hmm. exhortation here to go be salt, go be light. Because, yes, you are those things, and God loves you, and it's wonderful. And it's not about you. Yeah. And so now it is let your life shine before others. Not so that they think that you are amazing, and not so that God loves you more, but because that's what you are here to do. Yep. Because other people need it. Mm-hmm. You you are you are equipped for this, not for yourself, mm-hmm. but for others. And we as a church exist for those who are not our members. At least, Such a good reminder right? when when we're so we're in a day and age right now where everybody's so fraught about declining membership, mm. and that is a, another great reminder that that's not what it's about. No, that's not what it's about. It's about bringing a little bit into the world so that other people can see by it and and enjoy what has been given to them. And and you know, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, and that is what we're supposed to be living out. Um, so I think that that's important. We're also going to have a conversation, especially on Communion Sunday, about scarcity and abundance. Oh, yeah. Which we have, we are being sold over and over again the myth of scarcity. Yep. While we live with tremendous abundance. And I think yep. that that's true of many of our churches. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have to say, I don't know if I'll say this on Sunday. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, and I, I will deny ever saying that, even though it's recorded, but sometimes I wish churches didn't have memories that they did that they had much shorter memories i i know i I mean i love the memory the legacy and i love the the long memory and identity Mm -hmm. that comes with it but sometimes i wish churches were more like goldfish where they just were constantly in the moment yeah and because i i think so much sometimes of our anxiety and grief in many churches is people hanging on to how we remember them being whether they were whether it was that way or not but remember when we had three bell choirs that would tour back in 1996 like, first of all, no, I don't remember that. And second of all, I wish you didn't remember that. Yeah, that's because that's you're where playing we are. this comparison game. Yeah. And I wish you could see us as we are, from where we are, and then start from there. Yeah. Right? Um in some ways, I, I think we do that to ourselves as people, yeah. too. Oh, for we sure. We look back at old pictures. We think about a different time in life and, oh, what what that was or wasn't and whether we're even correct in remembering it. Where can we just meet ourselves where we are right now yeah. and fall in love with ourselves again and see ourselves as others see us if they were to just meet us yeah. and know that we are enough and build from there mm-hmm. instead of, 
oh, we've got to stop this decline. We have got to, it used to be, when can we build back to how we were? I, thought, I wish, yeah, I, I think I wish we had a, a smaller memory it would help with so much of yeah. this grief of scarcity that yeah. we think we're living in. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. End of mini sermon about that. <laughs> Where do you think you'll go? This I don't Sunday? know. Um, there's a lot of different. There's so much here. It, it was like the Beatitudes last week, right? There's mm. so many different ways in which to live into this. The other, the other thing that we didn't even talk about. We talked about the law, but we didn't talk about the fact that um, very often we as Christians come in and we we hear about the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're the bad guys. They're not bad guys. No, that's it. They're actually, the Pharisees and the scribes are the ones, yes, Jesus has complaints against them because they, they're they doing some things wrong. But by the understanding of the average person who's going to temple, they're the ones who have it right. And they're working. And they're working it. They're trying. Very hard at it, often very yep. sincerely. Oh, yeah. And so to be told that your righteousness must exceed that of them, mm. That's that's heavy stuff. Just when we were kind of feeling ourselves and getting comfortable. Yeah. Jesus, oh, and oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. If you want to do any of this, your righteousness has to exceed. But again, I want, let's go back to the beginning. It's not righteousness in terms of follow the rules even better than they do. Be even more pure and perfect than they are. It is an orientation of the heart. Yes. Which uh, part of the reason we're going to be uh, reading and talking a little bit this week in my in my church about the Isaiah passage that's paired with this one. Yeah. Right? And in which um, there, there sets up kind of like a courtroom scene mm. uh, where uh, God says, come and bring your complaint against me. And, and, and so uh, the people are like, you don't listen. So we're going to fast. Right, because that's what you're supposed to do to get the attention of and the love of the one. And and God's response is, this is not the fast that I desire. What is the fast that I desire? That you take care of the widow and the orphan in your midst. And you do justice toward those who are your community. Mm. That is what I want. And again, that righteousness is relationship. Yes. And that connection to others and that the understanding that it's not just that we are related, but that we have responsibility. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's that's the kind of righteousness that's being talked about here. Once again, blowing out of the water this very American Christianity focused on the salvation of the individual. Absolutely. Focused on me getting to heaven someday. Yep. Yep. It is here, it is now, it is present, and it is relational, it is communal, it is global, indeed it is cosmic, it is all creation mm-hmm. and it is uh, often much more challenging in and much less challenging somehow at the it is it is more freeing but it is sometimes harder work mm-hmm. than just saying I said the right thing and now I'm in the in group yeah listen I don't want to be too disparaging of how different people going go about right there's a there's a self-righteousness we can tip into very easily no. but as we understand it this is it is radical, it is open, it is grounded in love, and then we respond in gratitude and joy with and then put our gifts to work yeah. in the world. And that that may be what I'm trying to lean into this this Sunday is you are. You are these things. Mm. Um, you are loved, you are blessed, you are gifted, 
you are cared for and um and that's a good place to be now that's going to flow out and 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 affect the world but for those of us who are struggling believing that we are these things Mm. it's good to hear it yes it's good to hear it again that's one of the reasons we're leading leaning here into this slogan of get together get inspired get to work Mm -hmm. that's a real pattern that many of us Mm -hmm. live or try to live right Come together, Holy Spirit moves. We're empowered, gifted, uh, energized, and then it it doesn't stop there. Then you get to work. You get to put that out into the world. Yeah. And listen, not like we said earlier about the light. Not everybody is in that place all the time. Right. Yes. Also come here for comfort and care and healing and rest and peace. These are really important things. At the same time, let's not give in to the illusion that we can't do any good, that we can't right. be a light in the world until we ourselves are fully healed, fully healthy, <laughs> fully all together and totally feeling it. Listen, yeah, no. it's just it, it's not going to happen. We, we, we have to respond out of and And that's, I think, where we come back around to the teeth of the challenge. Don't give in to this illusion that somehow you are not able to do any mm-hmm. good you mm-hmm. are right and, and you don't and, have to wait to a point nope where you're better nope. or ready or fully sanctified to that, you know that's you it. can do something now there can it shifts in proportion and yep. sometimes we have more to give sometimes there's more we need to receive but there's never a time when you can't give right and there's never a time when you don't need to receive. Exactly. Right? Yep. Um, and I, I think that's, I, I, I struggle with absolutes, but I think I'll stand by that one, right? That there is a, that that, that is the teeth in this call, is it, it really does include everybody. Yeah. Well, we'll see where that goes on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, we are not sure exactly what next week will bring, dear listener. Neither, we'll neither one of us is preaching. Right. Um, so you're welcome um, for that. <laughs> we'll see what it means. Whether we have a recording, you have another guest that you're potentially going to be able to uh, yes, line if up. Yes, I can, if I can find a time to meet with her. Um, uh, so, yeah. Well, uh, whatever happens, have a great week. And thank you for spending this time with us. Enjoy the sunshine. Yes, and be well. All bye, right. Bye, everybody. Bye.